This week on Off the Crossbar, the National Lacrosse League regular season is over, and you know what that means. Playoffs? Playoffs? We'll talk plenty of records that have fallen, and maybe some in 18-game schedules that eventually will fall. Both Jordan McIntosh and Dylan Ward are going to stop by for brief chats ahead of their semifinal games. NLL TV gets a makeover, and Bill O'Brien gets a much-deserved FaceTime. All this week on OTCB. What's going on, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on NLL Radio. My name is Teddy Jenner. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. There's an E on the end of cross, or you can also email me, teddy.jenner at gmail.com. The regular season is over, and then there were just six. Buffalo takes the number one seed overall with an impressive win over the New England Black Wolves in their season finale. Saskatchewan wins the West with Colorado nipping at their heels, but it's going to be quite an opening round. The two series that will be featured this weekend, the West semifinal and the East semifinal, are against, or are, will have four teams that are quite evenly matched when you look at things. Um... Everybody knows that Colorado and Calgary have an incredible rivalry. Uh, what the stat that I saw since 2007, Colorado is 0-8 in the playoffs. Um, they've lost six games in the postseason to Calgary. But they are playing some really good lacrosse right now. And they had a great and hard-fought win over the Vancouver Stealth on Friday to end their season and at the same time knock Vancouver out and at the same time put Calgary in to the postseason. And whenever these two teams play, it is a fantastic, fantastic lacrosse game. Whether it's regular season or whether it's playoffs, it doesn't matter. These two teams battle hard. They've never, ever gotten along. And now that you add in the importance of winning just one game and a shot to advance to Saskatchewan or against Saskatchewan in the West Finals. Whew! Boy. It is going to be quite a night at the Loud House on Saturday. Luckily enough for the Colorado Mammoth is it is a Saturday game, May 7th. And that means that Adam Jones should be available. Uh, whenever they play Friday, it's really tough for him to get to games, especially mostly, well, because he is a teacher, and especially Western games. Uh, there's the odd time if they're playing Odiste, he might be able to quickly get from school to work, but that's not too often. So the fact that they'll have Adam Jones is huge because when I watch Colorado play without Jonesy, I notice a bit of a difference. Um, you know, Junior's going to be Junior. He's going to do everything he can but Adam Jones just adds some balance to that lefty side. Uh, Callum Crawford, Jeremy Noble, you know, they're great lacrosse players and they're a fantastic tag team with the righty shooter side. And you put a lot of pressure on Chris Wardle when there's no Adam Jones. And you put a lot of pressure on Junior because he's having to take more shifts. You, there's more onus put on him to have big games. 
and with Adam Jones in the lineup, a lot of that pressure gets taken off Junior, and a lot of the defensive looks that are being going Junior's way when Jonesy's not in the lineup, they disappear, which frees up Junior more. So having Adam Jones is huge. Having Dane Doby is just as important for the Calgary Roughnecks. Uh, he suffered a lower body injury two weekends ago against Vancouver in Vancouver. It was three three weekends ago. Three weekends ago. Um, and he hasn't played since. Um, I don't want to speculate, but when I watched uh, when I watched it happen and I watched Doby try to you know, run it off and work through the pain. It looked groinish. But again, I'm not a doctor. And I'm not inside that locker room, so I don't really know what's going on. Let's call it the lower body injury. Um, but in talking with people in the Roughnecks organization, they hope that this, you know, the extra week off uh, two weeks ago helped. Um, and they didn't play him this weekend. So hopefully that's given him enough time to heal that injury and be ready for Colorado this weekend because, you know, it's like Colorado with Adam Jones. Curtis Dixon can win you games. And it's nice that now Wes Berg is chipping in and Jeff Shatler is there. And Riley O'Connor has been playing well. They have pieces. But when you take Dane Doby out, you take away a very big threat. And not just on the floor. Because Dane Doby is probably one of the best guys sprinting off the bench for a breakaway in transition. I th- I don't know the numbers. I'm going to make one up. Dane Doby is 88.27% on breaks out of the bench. That's just how good he is. Again, I made that up, but it's a pretty accurate number. 88.27% It's pretty accurate. And so hopefully they can have him back because that's what we want to see. When we go into playoffs, and especially one-game series, you want to see two teams going against each other at full accompaniment. You don't want to see one team going missing two or three important guys. That's not good for the game, as they say. So Colorado hosting Calgary Saturday night at the Loud House in Denver. Um, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. West, 7 p.m. Mountain. Um, And it is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal game. The way Calgary has been playing as of late uh, just goes to show that they're a late-season lacrosse team. Uh, They've gone 5-5 over their last 10. Colorado was 6-4 over their last 10. They've won two straight. The big thing for Colorado is they're 8-1 at home, and that's huge. And they are a very dangerous team on their home floor. They feed off the crowd just like pretty much every other team in every other sport. That's probably the best matchup of the two. The New England-Georgia matchup is a little bit different. I still think it's going to be a heck of a lacrosse game. But I just think New England's that much better than Georgia. I think they just have a few more pieces and veteran leadership that will lift them over the swarm. And I think in a year or two, the swarm will be the New England of 2016. Especially if Ed Como can work with this group and allow them to gel and build some cohesion and get some experience. Because you know there's a lot of players on that team who have never even seen an NLL playoff game. 
So it's going to be a very interesting uh, test for this Georgia team because they're going to go up against a New England team that, you know, boasts probably, arguably, the best player in the game today in Sean Evans. Um, Dane Smith gives him a run for his money, obviously. But the way New England has played all year has been defense first, hard, aggressive, in-your-face transition, and just relentless, non-stop attack. And a lot of that stems from the leadership of Sean Evans. But it starts in the back end out, and it starts with Evan Kirk in net. And if he can have a big game, and he can shut the door, and that defense does a job on the swarm, then we could see what we saw late in that game a few weeks ago when it was 9-9, and then all of a sudden, New England just blew the doors off of it and ran away with things. I don't know if we see that this weekend, but we could, because... You, you never know, but when we get in these types of situa- situations, like I said, one goal games, or sorry, one game you're out, game playoff games. A, a bad ten minute stretch can kill you. And if Georgia can shut the doors and Brody McDonald can have the game of his career, which he's capable of doing, then I think Georgia really has a shot in this one. New England beat them three of four times this year. Uh, they've won five of their last ten. Georgia's won four of their last six. But, you know, Georgia's trending in the right direction. They're, I think they're, they've won, yeah, four, they've won four of their last ten, but they've won four of their last five. They had a five-game losing streak. And then had an incredible finish where Ed Como got his charges all on the same page. They finally figured out what works for them, both offensively and defensively. And they've learned their lessons throughout the year. And that's huge for this group going into what is a must-win game. What's a must-win game for everybody? It's one game and you're out. Um, you know, they, they went into their game on Saturday against the Vancouver Stealth team that was out of it. And... I'll talk about Vancouver a little bit and the the comparison between them and Toronto in their last games a little bit later. But Georgia went out and made a statement. It was 10-1 at halftime. That's called putting a standard out there. Like, Georgia was saying, we're not going to have to, you know, we're going to get things done on our own. We don't want other people to control our destiny. We're going to do it on our own. And they came out and absolutely routed Vancouver. And say what you want. Um, You know, they had a terrible travel day. Vancouver did. A terrible travel day. And they had been eliminated the night before, and they had busted their balls and played an incredible hard-fought game the night before. And then to have to travel the next day and, like I said, as Doug Locke put it, the worst 
travel day he's ever seen in his career in the National Cross League. Quote, no team should ever have to do that. Quote, regardless. Regardless. Georgia said, you know what? We don't care. We're fresh. We're healthy. We're going. We want to make sure we go to the playoffs. We are going to put our foot on the gas and not let up. And that's what they did. And as a result, pretty lopsided win, 14-6 over Vancouver. And they claimed a playoff spot. And so now they get to face New England in a one-game-off Friday night at the Den in Uncasville, 7 p.m. Eastern face-off time, 4 p.m. West. And you know what? I like New England, and I like Colorado. I'm going to take the home teams. Um like I said, I think New England has a decided edge over Georgia. I think the Calgary-Colorado game can really go either way. But I just think Colorado at home, it's a tough sell for me to see Calgary beating them. However, I can never, ever, 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 ever count Calgary out in the playoffs, especially when they're playing Colorado. So that sets us up for this weekend. I was able to catch up with Two participants of two of those games, and we'll start. Oh, we'll start. Actually, we'll start in the East uh, with the game that's up first: Georgia and New England. One of the big leaders for the Georgia Swarm is their captain, Jordan McIntosh. He assumed that role from Joel White this year. Uh, Joel came over for Andrew Suter and the captain for captain trade at last year's deadline, and Jordan McIntosh has become the leader of that team. And you know, I think one of the the really good things about Jordan McIntosh is that he is an experienced guy, both in this level, um, both inter- and internationally. Um, he understands the nuances of this game. He's played indoors and out. He understands, you know, how to incorporate Americans into the box game and work with them. And he was a great choice as captain of this club. And they have a really good leadership group. Uh, people always talk about the youth of this club, but you know, those guys, and I've talked about it before, how many of those guys have big game experiences, whether it be college, whether it be junior or senior ball? You know, Jesse King and Randy Stats played a lot of senior lacrosse in a little while, which put them into the NLL in a great position. But you need leaders, and Jordan McIntosh is the leader of this Georgia team. And when I caught up with him, the first question was, I wasn't too sure where he had been living these days, so I asked him where he was. Uh, I live in Boston now. Oh, now? What do you do up there? Uh, So I moved about uh, two years ago with my fiancé. Yeah. She's American, so yeah. 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 And so so are you working up there, or are you just doing lacrosse? Yeah, yeah. I work uh, a little tech startup uh, here in the city. Nice. Um, started about a year ago. Yeah. And what's the startup? It's a mobile communications app. So, um, works with sports teams and businesses. Um, it's been, uh, it's been going pretty well. It's been growing pretty rapidly, which is, uh, which is pretty fun. Interesting. Man. And, and is it yeah. something that has a, a lot of growth to it? You think? Uh, yeah, we, um, we started the the company's official release was last um October. Yeah. Um and we've uh we've grown pretty pretty quickly since then. Um uh, we just got another round of funding. So 
Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's um, the technology is pretty awesome. Um, it's just a matter of kind of finding, you know, ideal uh, the ideal market for it, whether it's within the sporting market mm-hmm. or business market. Um, what's the company called? Them. It's called Driven with uh, D R I V N. Um, yeah, within within uh, the business world, there's a lot more competitors, but uh, within the sporting space, we're uh, kind of us against uh, uh, against the world. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good been, for you. It's been pretty fun though. Good for you, man. Um, yeah. So the, you know, you guys had a pretty strong finish to the year. You guys, uh, you know, your last four games, you guys pre- played pretty pretty well. Are you happy with the way the team's focused going into the postseason and a big game against New England this Friday? Yeah, I think um you know, we uh you know, we we hit that that little skid at the begin- at the middle of the season um and you know, we 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 look back at some of those games and you know, obviously we were losing those games, but we were we felt like we were right there. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I, I was really proud of the team and, and kind of how we uh, how we bounced back those last five games of the season. I mean, you lose five in a row, it's pretty easy to to think you know it's all over or um, you know the dream of the playoffs has has vanished. But yeah. luckily, we got some we got some help from some other teams and um, getting that first win against Colorado after that skid, I think was was a huge huge help to us. You know, they were coming in um, with the best record in the league and. Um, I think we, you know, we, we played them pretty well and, um, it kind of gave us some belief that, you know, we can do this, we can, we can get into the playoffs and yeah. So I think, uh, I think, uh, we're all, we're all really excited about how we finished the year. And, you know, we talked about, um, you know, kind of going in, into the playoffs through the front door, you know, not, not relying on other teams, you know, losing or, or winning or whatever it may be. So, uh, I thought we did a good job of that last weekend. It took a while for for you guys to kind of find your groove under Eddie, but it took some time. But how has the team responded to him throughout the year as the year's gone on? Yeah, I mean, I I I probably had the most experience with Eddie just from the Team Canada stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I kind of knew what kind of coach he was, and you know, I think he's been obviously extremely well received on our on our team. I think you know the biggest thing with him is. Um, he has, he doesn't really have a panic button, which mm-hmm. is, uh, which is refreshing in a coach, you know, obviously, you know, you, you go on a little skid like that. It's really easy to say, okay, you know, let's blow this up. Let's completely change the defense. Yeah. Let's, you know, let's try a new lineup. Let's make some trades of the trade deadline. But he was very, um, calm, cool, you know, sl- slight tweaks here and there. And, uh, eventually, you know, those, those slight tweaks started, started panning out for us. So. Um, you know, for a, for a young team like us, I think he's he's kind of the perfect coach. You use the word young, and I know Eddie kind of wants to get away from that. But you guys are fairly young still. But how is the maturation process of that group of guys that you have on your team, especially the four rookies that were really influential in your guys' success this year? Yeah, I think I think you know we can say we're young. I mean, at the end of the day, you look at our, our birth our, our ages, and we're, yeah. we are young. I think yeah. You know, the thing Eddie tries to get away from is immature or, you know, not experienced. I think, right. you know, now with, with kids playing college lacrosse and, you know, a lot of these guys have played, you know, junior A and, and major junior, major major lacrosse. And, you know, you're you're playing in really, really high, high level intense yeah. games. So, um, you know, I think a lot of those guys come in with that big game experience that you need. Um, you know, with the rookies, I mean, 
like they they were they were awesome you know yeah <laughs> they were anything yeah, but I mean, really <laughs> yeah like you know i think the four first rounders were all were all slam dunks by by eddie and john um yeah as you can you can see from from their stats and um you know i, I think they did an amazing job at coming in and making an impact immediately Obviously, the playoffs are a completely different animal, especially in the NLL, where the semifinals are just one game. As a guy who's been in this league for a while, what's the message that you send as a captain to your guys preparing uh, for a, a win-all game? Yeah, I think it's just belief. Again, you know, we've played these guys four four times, and they've they've got the better of us three times. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that that's been my message. You know, it's it's one game. You know, it's one game. Um, we win, we go on, and you know we've proven we can beat them. Um, it's just a matter of, of executing in, in that big game. So, um, you know, I think I think it's going to be uh, you know an, an exciting game. You know, we've we've obviously playing them four times this year. It's been a it's grown into a little bit of a rivalry, which is mm-hmm. which is fun. But um, yeah, if we try and do anything too crazy or too different now, I think we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot. So, trying to stick to what we've been doing the last five weeks, and hopefully it's, uh, it works out for us. The game two weekends ago was 9-9 with about uh, 20 or so minutes left in that game. And then New England took over. As as a team, what do you learn from that last stretch of that game that you need to be able to sort of, like I said, learn from? Yeah, I think uh, we lost focus in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, some, there was some stuff going on, um, you know, a, a call here or a call there, and I think we lost focus. Um, you yeah. know, we, we became so – focused on you know how we were we felt like you know things were going our way that we we stopped focusing on playing the game and New England took advantage I mean their offense is really dynamic they have seven guys they put up there that can put the ball in the net if you give them the space so mm-hmm. um, yeah we lost focus and I think you know it sucks to learn that lesson so late in the year but uh, it was a good lesson to learn that you know you, you turn your focus away from playing the game um, it'll it'll come back to bite you. It's been an interesting season for you guys, obviously with the move from Minnesota to Georgia and everything that's around that. You guys have really rounded out throughout the year. Uh, you guys have a great opportunity to kind of rock the boat a little bit. I appreciate you giving some time, and, and good luck Friday, my man. It's been a pleasure to watch you guys evolve. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, re- I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can uh, get it done and go on to the next round. So there's Jordan McIntosh, captain of the Georgia Swarm, and you heard him talk about his relationship with Ed Como. Um, when it's time with Team Canada. And I think that really helped, um, especially this whole group, having somebody that knew the new coach coming in that could relate to him, that could be a go-between for players and coaches and a voice for everybody. And that relationship has grown since they've been together in Georgia, and it's collectively allowed this team to grow stronger. They may be the underdogs heading into New England, but I think they're okay with that. A lot of people have predicted them to be the underdogs all year. But, as we said, I'm going to say it probably a few more times in this podcast, it's one game. And we've seen crazy things happen in these one-game playoffs. A bad 15 minutes can end your season. It's all it takes. You could have a five-goal lead heading into the fourth, get shut out, and lose by a goal. It can happen in a blink of an eye. And this has been the year of the unknown and the strange 
and just the bizarro in the National Lacrosse League of some of the things that we've seen. We've seen six-goal leads turn into six-goal deficits. Um, we've seen back-and-forth games. We've seen complete blowouts. We've seen, you know, the last time these two teams played, was it was 9-9 with all, just over 20 minutes to go. And next thing you know, it's 21-11 final. You just don't know what's going to happen in these win-or-go-home one-game final. So uh, thanks to Jordan McIntosh for stopping by and uh, giving us some insight into the world of the Georgia Swarm. On the other end of the spectrum, it's Calgary and Denver. And one of the guys that everyone's going to keep their eyes on is the goaltender of the Mammoth. He's going to be tasked with stopping a pretty high-powered offense led by the 61-goal man, Curtis Dixon. And that would be none other than Dylan Ward. Um, Ward is in Denver. He's helping out with a lot of stuff in town. Uh, he has his goalie company with Nick Rose, but his focus is this weekend. And when I caught up with him, I was just curious how the weather was in Denver. Oh, well, we're finally getting some sun today, so it's oh, good. Yeah. No more snow? No more snow. That's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty crazy down there how quickly the weather shifts, eh? It's nuts. It, it can change in like two hours. It'll be a winter storm to like 70 degrees in two hours. It's not. So you have to always keep a coat nearby. Yeah. Um, are you doing some coaching right now or what are you up to today? Um, no, right now I got a day off. Uh, I've been, I've been helping out with coaching and doing some like private lessons. Doing yeah. some stuff with the mammoth as well. So I've been nice. keeping busy. Good, man. Um, you know, a, a big win for you guys Friday night. How did you guys feel about uh, ending your season on a high note? Uh, it was good. I mean, we, we really wanted to to go in there with a playoff mentality. Uh, you know, obviously you got Vancouver in there fighting for their lives. So it was a perfect opportunity for us to, you know, turn it into playoff mode. And I think we really came together, uh, bared down and, uh, and gutted out a tough, a tough earned win. What's been the biggest thing for you guys, you know, in this last little stretch? Because you have had some injuries and you've had some guys in in and out of the lineup. What's been the biggest focus for you guys moving towards the playoffs? You know, it's just been stick to our game plans. Uh, you know, obviously injuries are tough, uh, and it, it can affect your, your team's play. But, you know, we, we really like to base our team on, like I said, a, a team, right? So we mm-hmm. don't really want to focus on one guy to carry us. That's uh, That's been working out really well for us on the defensive end. And then the offensive end, you look at our, our point totals. Every, there, there's not really one guy aside from Crawford who's walking away with points. Everyone's <laughs> yeah. got a, a ton of points. And it, it's really been a team by committee this year. It's, a, it's an exciting thing to see. Let's talk about that defense that's in front of you. Uh, they may not get the most credit as some other teams will get, uh, but they've done a fantastic job in front of you, allowing you to see the ball, limiting second opportunities, and picking up loose balls, which makes your job a lot easier, doesn't it? Uh, absolutely. You know, you, you look at our, our the shots against, and, you know, it's it's pretty high, but the thing about our defense is we're not trying to eliminate shots. We're just trying to force them to take shots where we're comfortable in them taking shots. So, yeah. you know, obviously that, that makes my job a lot easier. And, and it, it, uh, it, it takes away from their opportunities right on top of me or in front of the net from the outside. So, you know, we're really, we really, uh, really bought into this defensive system that Pat, coach Pat Coyle put into place and it's been working great for us. How has he been receptive? Because Coiler is an old school guy who who understands the nuances of the game. How has that back end group really responded to him and the system that he's playing? Oh, he's great. You know, he he, he really uh, he he he's a really stern coach. He knows what he wants, and he he expects the best out of you. 
uh, all the time, and and he he's not afraid to get on, get on you. So and I yeah. think our defense has really responded to that. You know, guys guys are being held accountable, and and you know guys want to prove that they they should be in the lineup. So you know we got it's always a tough tough decisions uh, the coaches have to make for guys who are in another lineup. So every time every time guys are are playing, they really want to want to show why they they uh, they should be playing. When you look at your game this year, how would you evaluate uh, your season? Oh man, I mean, I think I, I'm pretty happy with how I played. Obviously, uh, you know, I had a bit of a, a, a stretch in the middle of the season where I was a bit banged up and wasn't having uh, my best performances. But you know, I feel like uh, right now I'm, I'm playing playing some really solid lacrosse, and obviously, I got to give a lot of credit to my defense in front of me. But I, I, you know, I'm feeling I'm feeling real comfortable with my game heading into the playoffs, and, and I'm I'm excited for this weekend. Uh, your second league in goals against your your tops in the league in save percentage. Um, there's a lot of talk of, of you possibly in the, in the running for goaltender of the year, and would would that be something that's a little feather in your cap and, and something to build on as the year goes forward and for future games? Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a cool situation to be in. I mean, I would have loved to see Boldy let one more goal in this past weekend, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a uh, it's a pretty 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 cool pretty cool uh up or a situation that I've, i'm in right now and what if i get nominated for goalie of the year that's that's an, that's awesome obviously but you know I'm, I'm really not thinking about that it's mm-hmm. it's really i'm just i just want to win a championship and you know especially with this locker room of, of guys we got i think we got something special brewing here in colorado and you know I, i'm really just focused on winning that championship who's the vocal leader in that room for you guys Oh, it's definitely Dan Coates. You know, yeah. when he's talking, everyone's listening. You know, he uh, he expects he expects everyone to to give their best effort, and you know, he he knows the game inside and out, and he knows how to get the guys going. So, you know, he's he's definitely our leader. Uh, he's I, a great choice for as a as our captain. Mm-hmm. You know, guys really just rally r- around him, and you know, it's it's evident the way he plays that he demands respect from uh, guys that he plays against and guys in his own locker room. A lot of the talk during the off season was the signing of Callum Crawford, and, and you mentioned him earlier how he's just running away with with the point totals for you guys, and ends up tying the NLL assist record with 83. How special was it to watch from your end of the floor some of the things that he was doing out there? Oh, it's it's incredible what he, what he's able to do uh, with the ball is, is it's it's awesome. You know, uh, like I said, we want to be a, a team by committee up front, but mm-hmm. you know when when things start to unravel for us or we need someone to step up and make a play, you can definitely count on Callum Crawford to do that. You know, he's so athletic. His, uh, his quickness around the cage and his, uh, his uh, passing ability is, you know, second and none. So just to have that added spark to yeah. take a bit of the weight off the shoulders of Adam Jones, John Grant Jr. And Jeremy Noble has been, you know, much, much appreciated. And, you know, it takes a lot of pressure off our defense too. And our offense is, is clicking the way they are. It's pretty uncanny what he can do when he's not on the ground in, in the air. Like I haven't seen anybody sort of revolutionize the jump or the dive as much as he does by being able to come back short side or the twister five hole or however he does it. it. It makes it pretty tough for a goaltender when a guy isn't diving parallel to the ground, he's diving perpendicular. Oh, 100%. I think that just goes back to with how athletic he is. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he's essentially just running. He, uh, you know, he's yeah. not di- doing the, the typical dive. He's basically just taking a hop in the air, essentially like he's still on his feet. So, you know, it, it's, it's very hard as a goalie because when, when a guy's diving across, you know, there's two places he's going. He's either going, tucking it far side or pushing it far side or he's tucking it back short side. But, mm-hmm. you know, when he's in the air, he can really go anywhere. He can put it up top, down low, 
you know, as we've all seen, he's he's very uh, a very smart shooter when he's uh, when he's around the cage. Uh, you guys get to go and take on your good friends, the Calgary Roughnecks, uh, in a one-game final on Saturday. The good thing is you guys get to do it at home. Uh, what's the mindset going into this game uh, against a team that you've normally str- and actually have always struggled with when you get them in the playoffs? I mean, we're just excited to be in the playoffs. Excited to, uh, you know, have a home game for our uh, for our fans here in Colorado. You know, obviously, uh, Calgary's had a number uh, the last few years, and I mean, the two two years that I've been here for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I don't think I don't think we're thinking about that too much. We got we have a game plan uh, set that we're gonna want to execute, uh, and you know, we're just gonna gonna come out here and then perform. So, you know, let the game uh, come to us and not worry about who we're playing, but what we need to do. For for you know fans that don't really know the mindsets of the goalies, what's what's a preparation? What's the usual preparation for you uh, when you get to the rink? Are, are you a um, like a, a visual guy? Are you a music guy? Are you a guy that doesn't like to be talked to? Uh, you know, I got I got my superstitions when I get to the rink. You know, when yeah. I first get there, I uh, I get some headphones from my good buddy Jared Noble. Uh, I go <laughs> sit in the go sit in the crowd by myself uh, for about half hour 20 minutes half an hour listen to some music just getting my mind uh mind right and uh ready to go and then you know when i'm when i get into the room i just like to get dialed get dressed and you know focus at the task at hand the the mammoth fans are one of the best fan bases in the national lacrosse league uh, what will it mean for you to guys give them one more home win to start the playoffs off oh it'd be awesome you know the support that they give us through you know the, the the easy easy times for the season, and then through the tough times is, is second and none. You know they're they're always uh, they're always following what what's going on in the league, and they always have our backs. And you know the the way that they uh, they they cheer in the Pepsi Center is, is incredible. So to be able to get them a victory this weekend would be uh, would be awesome. Before I let you go, how's Chance Lacrosse going for you and uh, Rosie? Oh, it's great. I mean, we had our first clinic there uh, about a month a month and a half ago, and it, it, we got a gr- lot of great feedback. You know, it's it's def- it's definitely a, p- a position that's undercoached, and there's mm-hmm. you know there's a- always a it seems to be a need for uh, for goalie coaching. So to be able to uh, to offer up camps and you know now private lessons for for these kids, I think it's uh, really beneficial for uh, the growth of can- Canadian lacrosse and especially the uh, the goaltending position. You are one of the best in the league, my friend. I appreciate you giving us some time. Uh, enjoy the week and preparation, and good luck Saturday night. Thanks a lot. There he is, Dylan Ward of the Colorado Mammoth. Now, you heard me ask him about the goaltender of the year. And there's a lot of, I think this is, because of how crazy this year was, there's going to be a few votes and a few awards that are going to go right down to the wire. Like, the MVP is a two-horse race. It could be more. Like, when you think about it, MVP is most valuable player to his team. Now, is Dane Smith valuable to the Buffalo Bandits? Absolutely. Does he deserve MVP? I think he does. But so does Sean Evans. And when we talk about value, you have to look at it as that. So if you were to take whoever is your, let's say, okay, go ahead. Who's your MVP? Now, take that person, take him off of that team. How does their team do? 
I think Buffalo is still a playoff team without Dane Smith. I don't think New England is a playoff team without Sean Evans. They're a good team, but I don't know if they get in. But then you kind of have to look at some other teams and the value of whoever their MVP would be. Where is Calgary without Curtis Dixon? Where is Vancouver without Reese Dutch? Heck, where are they if Tyler Richards doesn't come back? So we come to this, you know, the debate of how do people look at MVP? And we've talked about this on the show many times. And last week I said that it was going to come down to this weekend. It was probably going to come down for a lot of people voting between Dane and Sean this weekend when they played Saturday night and who had the better game. Unfortunately for Sean, uh, he took a big hit from Nick Weiss uh, early in the fourth quarter and never returned. Uh, he was none too pleased with that. Voiced his opinion, deleted his opinion, but was still very, very upset that Weiss only got a two-minute illegal body check call. I kind of agree with him. Talk about that in a bit later. But as I said a few weeks ago, Heck, as I said a month ago, it was Dane Smith's MVP. He was running away with it. But then Sean Evans pulled his socks up and really put his team on the ba- on his back and lifted them to a second-place finish and almost, almost had them winning the East. They end up losing two games in the year. They lose a tough one to Buffalo. And then, you know, kind of like we've seen some other teams – when they knew their playoff destiny, the next game, well, wasn't exactly their best effort. But New England didn't quit. They really wanted to end their year on a positive. Rochester just was able to take the win. So when we look at MVPs, just like we look at goaltending, just like we're going to look at transition player of the year, defensive player of the year, like, all these awards, I don't think there's a single award, maybe Rookie of the Year, that is cut and dry. I would love to see my boy from Victoria, Jesse King, win Rookie of the Year. I don't think he's going to. Graham Hossack will get some votes, but Randy Stotts just absolutely blew up Reese Touch's point record and assist record for rookies. I don't know how you can't give it to him. It's rookie of the year. He was the best rookie this year. Hands down, period. Hasek, damn good rookie. Damn good rookie. And he's going to be the backbone of that Rochester defense for a long time. Unless Kurt trades him. I don't think he will, but he could. So that's the only real award that I think might be cut and dry. MVP, it's between Dane and Sean, most likely. Goaltender of the year, I think there's three guys probably in that category. Evan Kirk, for a while, was my guy. He was the guy I was picking. But, you know, Nick Rose had an absolute stellar year. Then the question comes, do you give goaltender of the year to a guy who didn't start every game and to a guy that was on a non-playoff team. 
Dylan Ward is the third guy who I think has to be in there for goalie of the year. Aaron Bold will, again, get some thoughts. But I think it's Kirk and Ward and then one of either Rose or Bold. But again, you can go either way. And when you look at the stats, like, I think it was Josh Gross who said it to me the other day. He said, Dylan Ward is leading the two most important goalie stats, or his top two uh, in save percentage and goals against average. He's top two. He's behind Bold for goals against, and he's first in save percentage. So where do you go? You know, bold first in wins, first in goals against. I think he's fourth or fifth. Actually, he's further down in save percentage. He's like sixth in save percentage. So that could hurt him. Nick Rose is, I think, top three in all of those. But he only had five wins. So, you know, it it all comes down to personal um, perspective for all these voters. But that just goes to show how crazy this year was. Defensive player of the year. It's probably going to be Ryan Dilks. But there's a lot of good D guys out there. Priolo had a fantastic year. Rubish was rubish. Like, the guys won it three years in a row. He didn't just all of a sudden drop off the face of the earth. But I think, I think the vote for defensive player of the year will go to Ryan Dilks. Transition player of the year. There's another hot topic. Where do you go for transition player of the year? Do you base it solely on points? Do you focus on D guys who played more offense or offensive guys who played more defense? It's just a crazy, crazy position, that transition position. Because there's there's no real clear definition. It just... It all comes down to the designation from the team. Last year, your transition player of the year was Joey Capito. He's listed as a D guy this year, so he can't even win it. And so, you know, there's 38, if I'm reading this, if I'm counting properly, and there's three guys who aren't even on rosters right now. They're either injured or been released. So that makes it up oh, four. So 34 guys who are technically up for the award. And we can probably count out two-thirds of them and take it down to say maybe there's 10 guys. So where do you go? Originally, at the start of the year, my pick was going to be Carson Young. He had a not-so-hot start, but finished pretty well, but... He's not going to be in the running. Like, I think Joel White's in the running. Uh, Jesse Gamble is in the running. Sheldon Burns, Chad Tutton, Jordan McIntosh, Alex Keto Hill. But there's so many guys you can pick. But you have to, then you have to think in your head. Okay, well, you know, uh, do I pick a guy who is more front door than back door? Do I pick a guy who is more back door than front door or vice versa? Most of these transition guys are backdoor first guys. So, again, another award that will be interesting. Um, Coach of the year, that might be one that is pretty cut and dry. Um, I 
I don't know how you can't give it to Glenn Clark. Eddie Como did a fantastic job with the Swarm, but Glenn Clark took a 4 and 14 team to a 10 and 18. Had him on the verge of winning the East and overall, first overall. So I think he gets it. Um, we talked rookie, MVP, goalie, D guy, transition. Um, unsung hero is just, it's not a popularity vote. Um, but you, you kind of have to dig a little deeper to figure out who your unsung hero is going to be. I like a guy like David Brock, Jeremy Thompson, um, those guys. You know what? For what he did for the Vancouver Stealth, Rory Smith's kind of an unsung hero. Like, And that probably sounds weird coming from my voice, the guy who was adamantly protesting against the Vancouver Stealth playing Rory Smith. Um, but look, look at the way and the difference the Stealth played without him in the lineup. Now, I know you could say, well, they were eliminated from the playoffs, and they had nothing to play for, and there was no need to play Rory. But you noticed a difference in the way they played. That's kind of unsung hero-ish. I don't think he's going to win. This isn't a you know, a campaign to get Rory a unsung hero award or anything, but that's what an unsung hero does. The guy that does the little things, the guy that, you know, will go through a wall for his team to do anything it takes to win. That perfectly describes Rory Smith. The only other award I didn't touch on was GM of the year. And that, that can be always be a tough one as well. Uh, you have to look at a, a guy's body of work. Guys he brought in, guys he moved, um, transactions that he made throughout the year, how he managed everything. For me, I think just solely based on one move, Steve Govett wins GM of the year. And the one move is bringing Callum Crawford. Now, it wasn't the only move that he did, um, but it just it was such an impactful move to go and get Callum Crawford, to go and get, and then adding on top of that, to go and get Greg Downing. And then some of the pieces that he picked up, like getting Jordan Gillies in the sixth round, the sixth round, and he's going to be an all-rookie team guy. And then, you know, uh, you know, he's, moved Mike Woods in and out, and then all of a sudden he picks up Mike Mallory. And Mike Mallory's been great for them. So I think there's your maybe another one that might be clear-cut, um, and that is Steve Govett. Now, another guy that might get con uh, some nominations and some contention is Rich Lisk in New England. Um, his ability to go ahead and get Sean Evans, to bring in Derek Suddens, to sign Steve Hoare, you know, he, he made some nice moves. Arlotta drafting four rookies. Now, that may not have been such a hard decision because, you know, in years past, he worked to get all those picks. Um, but I think Steve Govett will be your general manager of the year. Um, we didn't talk about the wingman of the year. It's probably going to, it'll most likely go to Callum Crawford. He had the most assists. Uh, teammate of the year will be an interesting one to see just who the three nominees are. 
sportsmanship we didn't talk of, executive of the year. Uh, I really like Scott Loeffler for it, for all that he's done. But uh, when you look at what Saskatchewan has done, um, I don't know how you can't give it to Lee Genier of Saskatchewan. Um, he did an incredible job. Like, like I, I'm a huge Scott Loeffler fan in all that he does in Buffalo with all the events they do and everything are surrounding the Bandits. But what Lee Genier and his staff did in Saskatoon is exactly what Steve Govett and his crew did when the Mammoth first came into the league. It's, it is on par with that. And when, I can't remember who said this, it might have been on a fan forum or it might have been on um, one of the other NLO radio shows. But when you have, oh, actually, you know what? It was Jamie Dowick. Uh, Jamie Dowick said in his uh, interview with Neil Stevens, he said, for an area that considers itself to be the lacrosse capital of the world, you're getting shown up by Saskatoon, but I like the direction we're headed in, and I think we're going to sort it out. I really hope Toronto sorts it out because um, they averaged under 10,000 fans a game this year, which is very un-Toronto-like, you know, Remember the early days when Dowick first bought this team? Uh, the Les Bartley days when they were winning five championships and they were just pumping people in and out of the ACC? It's got to get back to that. And hopefully, Jamie Dowick and his people, his organization, can really turn things around because that's an organization that's, you know, it's not the fl- it's not the flagship of the NLL anymore, but it used to be, and it can get back there. And Dowick and his people are working on getting there. Um, in that article on the A Game blog by Neil Stevens, uh, Dowick said that you know there's going to be some turnover. Uh, he exp- he, it, he he sort of hinted at and sort of suggested that both Colin Doyle and Josh Sanderson wouldn't be back. He said that Doyle will remain with the organization, which leads me to believe that Doyle, in my opinion, um, will probably take over the offense from Blaine Manning. Don't quote me, but that's just kind of how I feel. Um, Dowick said that he wasn't going to be making any coaching changes, so John Lovell still has a job. But, you know, I kind of said this before, and and I'll kind of go on record. So this is what I would love to see Toronto do. I would love to see Toronto do this. I would love to see Jamie Dowicks take a step back, be the owner, the governor, all those big title things. Give the GM job to Josh Sanderson. If you want to keep John Lovell, keep John Lovell. Bring in Colin Doyle to run your offense. If you want to keep Matt Sawyer to run your D, that's fine. I don't really think their D was an issue. They just ran into a lot of injuries. Um, So if they can get some new bodies in, get healthy, uh, their defense should be fine. But I would love to see two guys who have been staples of this franchise, Josh Sanderson and Colin Doyle, move from the floor, one guy onto the bench, one guy into the press box, and just keep that tradition of rock lacrosse alive because those guys bleed blue and red and would be fantastic additions to the executive and to the coaching staff. That's how I see it happening. That's what I would like to see happening. But you never know. Uh, 
as I said, Dowick mentioned that there was going to be some turnovers, guys retiring, guys not able to come back, but they were going to, or he was going to do whatever it took to get bodies, free agents, trades, whatever it may be. Um, one trade that was kind of mentioned to me, and I don't know, uh, this isn't a trade that's ever been on the table, but it was someone suggesting something. And the person said, I would love to see the stealth package Wagner and Hogarth send it to Toronto and try to get their first round pick. I don't think that's going to happen. But as I've said, the Vancouver stealth don't have a first round pick until 2020. And when I look at their roster, if you were to do a one for one, like a player for a first round pick, maybe, Maybe the only guy that gets here first if you trade him is Restouch. Maybe Logan Schuss. But again, you're not going to trade. Doug Locker's not trading those guys. And Doug Locker, and oh, I'm a fan of Hogarth and Wagner. And I know Doug Locker is too. But if he is going to get first round picks, he's going to have to trade some of his young assets. And that trade of packaging Wagner and Hogarth together could, if you sent him to Toronto or maybe even Rochester, get a high first-round pick. Because, unfortunately, Vancouver doesn't have a first-round pick this year. And, lo and behold, as I said last week, the Saskatchewan Rush will have Vancouver's pick. So they will have their pick of a lot of of really good players. Messenger, Chown Rogers, James Ray, um, Hossick's brother, Matt Hossick, I believe his name is. Yeah, Matt Hossick. Um, there are some really good lacrosse players in this upcoming draft, and once again, Vancouver won't have a shot at them. So I think if Doug Locker continues on as a general manager of this team and... I really don't see that not being the case. He is going to have to make some moves to get this team into a position of having draft picks. I listened to Stealth Classified this weekend with Jake and Brad, and Brad was in the same boat as me. He said this team needs to get draft picks, and I agree with him. And Jake said, well, look what you look at the value you got of Jordan Durston. Absolutely. Jordan Durston was fantastic value at the second pick, or in the second round. You've gone three straight years since moving to the LEC of missing the playoffs, and you haven't had a first-round pick. Like, they could have had Mark Matthews. They could have had Westberg. They could have had Hossack. They could have had any of the nobles. But instead, they trade them away for veteran players that they thought could help their team win now. And it didn't work. So they have to find out a formula that does work. And getting first-round draft picks helps. So we'll see what Doug Locker does. Um, as I mentioned, Vancouver had a horrible travel schedule this weekend. Um, uh, it wouldn't have been that bad if they hadn't sat on the tarmac for an hour. And those that have played in the WLA... Uh, and have traveled to the island or from the island, 
know this very well that when sometimes when you travel and if you get late you have to go right from the bus onto the floor and that's exactly what happened to the stealth they sat on the tarmac uh, for an hour by the time they got to atlanta and then drove from atlanta to gwinnett which is an hour plus uh, they couldn't even check into their hotel they went right from the rink or right from the airport onto a bus to the rink right to warm up and it was understandable that they had a bit of a slow start it was understandable that they were a little deflated and a little defeated after the night before but you would like for me and I, and I put this on twitter and i heard back from a couple of the vancouver people and you know they were upset with me with my comments of saying that i, I didn't like the effort I didn't like the performance. I didn't like the heart of this Vancouver team. I'm not saying they didn't play with heart. I'm not saying they didn't bust their ass off. They did. I know they did. It's not a team. This is a team brought up by Chris Hall. Just like Toronto's a team brought up by Terry Sennon. There's no quit. But you could just see that they weren't all in. And when you're down 10-1 at halftime, it was evident. Conversely, Toronto had been out for a few weeks, and they probably played one of the games of the year against Calgary. Like, Calgary was in, Toronto was out, they probably could have just passed the ball back and forth for 60 minutes and had a one nothing game. But they laid it on the line. And it was one of the best games of the year. And Westberg had a fantastic game. Six goals. His first sock trick of his NLO career. And what a class move by Nick Rose. Rose and Berg are teammates with Oakville. They're, according to Rosie, they're going to be teammates again this year. And Berg scores the OT winner. And what's Rosie do? Rosie picks up the loose ball out of his net puts it in his hand, does the ceremonial handshake, and he gets to Westberg, pats him on the shoulder, gives him the game ball. Like, that's just awesome. Like, things like that just make me want to give people hugs. And to see him, you know, with everything that's happened with this Toronto team, you know, it was, it was a tough year. But it just goes to show that no matter what, friends, enemies just went through 60 minutes of hell and back going to battle against each other. Then when that final whistle goes, there is still class to be had. So nice job to Nick Rose. Go ahead and tell everybody I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. I believe. A 12-point night for Rob Hellier solidified him as one of the greatest Toronto Rock players ever. Last year, he would have broken the 100-point mark, and as Jamie Dowick said in that aforementioned Neil Stevens article, he probably could have been the MVP last year if he hadn't gone down with that shoulder injury. But this year, he came back right at the start of the season. He finally got his clearance, and he picked up right where he left off. His 12 points Saturday night gave him 113 points on the year. He was five goals shy of becoming only the second 
rock player in franchise history with 50 goals. He had 69 assists and was the man for Toronto all year long. Throughout all the injuries that they had on both sides of the ball, Hellier was there. He played in every single game for the Toronto Rock. He was only held out of the goal column once all year, and that was in a game against Buffalo. Every single game he had a point. His lowest point total was three, and that happened three times. The product out of Lions Head, Ontario, would have had 100 points last year. He had 113 this year, and who knows what the future holds for Rob Hellier. But with a fantastic outing in the Rocks' final game in a 12-point night, there is no doubting that Rob Hellier is the man. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Well, you can tell everybody. Yeah, you can tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. Yes, I am, yes, I am, yes, I am. I'm the man, I'm the man, I'm the man. So here we are. The regular season is over. We are on now to the fun times of the NLL playoffs. But over the past 18 weeks, we have now seen a new all-time goal score for the regular season as Dane Smith surpassed Ethan Iannucci, who had 71 goals in a 16-game season. And now Dane Smith is the leader with 72 goals. Curtis Dixon became just the fourth player to ever score more than 60 goals. He had 61. Callum Crawford tied Josh Sanderson and Garrett, sorry, and Sean Evans with 83 assists in one season. And Dane Smith set a new single-season points record with 137. Callum Crawford almost broke the single-season assist record. He had eight in the Mammoth's final game, and you could tell they were trying to get him one more. But those are sort of the three big ones. Um, Dan Dawson became the league's Ironman, surpassing Sean Williams. But I don't think that record gets touched anytime soon because nobody's even close. Um, it would take a fresh-faced rookie to play 18 games over the next, um, I think, 13 seasons is what I did the math to uh, for anybody to even come close to surpassing Dan Dawson's record. Anthony Cosmo has set a uh, saves record. There are so many records being broken now that we are in 18-game seasons. And who knows what is next for the National Lacrosse League. The sky truly is the limit now that we have added more games. And if we're going to start to add more teams, who knows how many games we're going to be playing by the time you know, in Nick Sakevich's world, we're at 16 teams. Like, is someone going to be pushing 150 points? Are we going to see somebody with 100 assists? Is someone going to get to 80 goals? Like, it is just crazy to think of where we have come and where we were. You know, Randy Stotts almost had 100 points in his rookie year. And we've talked about how rookies are coming into this league more and more pro ball ready. And that just has to have the record book shaking. Because if in back-to-back -back years we've had two people surpass 130 points, 
We've had people get to 83 assists three times in recent memory. Um, we now have two more names of the 60 goal club. It's just going to keep getting better and better and better. We just have to wait and see. Um, but congratulations to Dane and Dan um, and Curtis Dixon and Callum Crawford and everybody. It was the best year in the National Cross League as seven players surpassed 100 points. Jammer was one point off. Dangerous Dan was three points off. Stats was five points off. Benny was eight points away. And Kevin Crowley was ten points away. We are going to see, like, I remember last year, and I, w- I went on record and saying this, and I said, I don't think anyone's going to come close to touching 130 points for a while. Didn't even last 365 days. A lot of people didn't think Ethan Iannucci's 71 goals would be eclipsed. And it took a monumental year for Dane to get there, and it took two extra games for him to do it. But he did it. So you just you just don't know what's going to get broken in the coming years with the way these guys are playing, with the speed of the game, and with just the sheer volume of shots these guys are taking. Dane Smith had 337 shots this year. It's a lot of shots. A lot. A um, couple things before we get out of here as we continue to run late here on OTCB. Um, The National Lacrosse League uh, announced its playoffs broadcast schedule, I guess you could call it, especially for the first round. Um, NLLTV.com got a bit of a makeover, um, and all the games are going to be there. There is no TV coverage as of now for anybody that doesn't get Altitude TV. Um, The Colorado Cowgirl game will be on Altitude 2. Um... But everything else is going to be on NLLTV.com for the most part. Uh, The Calgary game in Colorado will also be streamed through TSN Go and Watch ESPN. But the East Final uh, is going to be on NLLTV.com. It's been revamped. Um, They're using a company called Neo Lion, N-E-U Lion. New Lion, I think it might be called. Um, They're a service that the Major League Soccer League uses, they specialize in digital video broadcasting, distribution, monetization of live and on-demand content to be internet-enabled devices. So, um, as a lot of people found out last weekend, a lot of the Fox Sports games weren't available on tablets and iPads and phones. But you could get it on your computer screen. So, I believe by bringing in New Lion, um, it will allow a... I think a better quality of footage because uh, it doesn't look like they're using Fox Sports Go. So um, this new line and this new NLLTV.com website um, seems to be the way the NLL is going right now. The question is going to be, um, and this was brought to my attention by Chris Fox, that uh, they say that the broadcast games will be free um, and there'll be no charge. But the MLS has a subscription package for all their games via New New Lion. So what does that hold for 2017? We have yet to find out. The broadcast schedule for next week games haven't even been announced. We don't even know um, the dates for those games yet. 
Uh, we do know that the Game 2 of the West Final will be on May 21st. I would imagine the East Final will be either before or after that, so the 20th or the 22nd. I would imagine Buffalo would want to play a Friday or Saturday home game, so it'll be right around there as well. But um, So for all of you people watching games on your computer or your smart TVs or your tablets or whatever, NLLTV.com is where you can go. And if you go there now, it doesn't look anything like the site used to. It looks completely different. Um, and who knows what this new partnership brings. Uh, you know, the big comment and concern people had was there was no archived games. Uh, this might be a way for us to now be able to see games archived. Uh, it looks like there's, um, you know, there's a, a recommended and a what's new and a library tab. So who knows? Hopefully... Once games are played, they'll be archived, and we can go back and watch the, the playoff games, and we'll see how this new partnership with New Lion um, goes about. So uh, that's some new stuff. And one last thing, uh, Bill O'Brien. Um, I, I will get him on this show at some point. Um, there is a fantastic video on Facebook right now by a gentleman named Philip Elgie. Um, he did a three-minute video on Bill O'Brien. It is a fantastic piece. I've just sent out a link on my Twitter for it. Um, it's on my Facebook page if we're friends over there. But um, if you can find it, or if you know, if you're on Facebook and you're friends with Bill O'Brien, or you can find it, Philip Elgie is the gentleman's name, and it is just a phenomenal video. Um, I reached out to Philip to try to get permission to use the audio. I haven't heard back from him, so uh, maybe next week I will play that. But if you can go and find it online. Please do. Bill O'Brien, the story of Bill O'Brien is just fantastic. If, if you don't know it, we've talked about it here before, but you know, a few years ago he was a 1AA NCAA football player. Um, and he's an absolute monster. He's a, a gym freak, a natural athlete, and he has been a fantastic addition not only for the Black Wolves, but for the game of lacrosse. Um, when I talked to Mike French of the Black Wolves a few weeks ago on this podcast, he mentioned that Bill O'Brien really runs a lot of the behind the scenes stuff for Thompson brothers lacrosse and does a lot of work for them in the business sector. So um, kudos to Bill O'Brien who just continues to write his story and it is a fantastic story. And thanks to Philip Elgie for creating a fantastic video. If you can find it, go find it, watch it and share it with your friends because it is so very well done and we need more things like that on the players in this league because the stories to tell, man, and Bill O'Brien's is a heck of one, and he just he very well spoken and very knowledgeable young man, and as I said, his story is one that should be told over and over again. That'll do it for another week here on the Off the Crossbar podcast. As mentioned, the games are this weekend, and they start Friday, New England, hosting Georgia in the East semifinals, and then on Saturday, Calgary visits Colorado in the West semifinals. One game only. Win or you're done. And it is going to be some fantastic lacrosse. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Be excellent to each other. Woman, don't try to love me, don't try to understand. A life upon the road is the life of an outlaw.